Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening, everyone. It's just wonderful to be here. And it's my first visit to um, Northern Ireland. And I arrived yesterday, and I've just been overwhelmed by the warmth of your hospitality. So thank you so much for receiving me with so much love. God is committed to restoration in us and through us. He will first restore us to him through Jesus Christ, and then he will use us to restore others. What a privilege. And we can do nothing for God without his continuing infilling of his Holy Spirit, combined with the reading of his word and prayer. Whatever your calling, whatever your ministry, Whatever your circumstances, he wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to encourage you. He wants to impart new gifts, confirming his calling in our lives. And tonight I'm going to be sharing some of my own story. And I pray that God will use it to encourage you. Uh, And also, um, I'd like to share some of what I've witnessed firsthand over the last 19 years since founding Happy Child in Brazil with the local church of his inexplicable commitment to restore the most destitute through his love, which is what every human being hungers for because we were made to live connected to it. And, you know, most evangelicals, we start with Genesis 3, that man has sinned and fallen short of God. But I believe we also need to start with Genesis 1, that says that we were made in his image. We live in a world that is crying out for a sense of value, for self-worth, and for a sense of significance, and love, and the need to belong. And when we, we share to, 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 to these people who are living in destitution, these people who are crying out that they were made in the image of God, it, they, they can't believe it. And, and I just believe that we need to be sharing that we were made in the image of God. The work of Happy Child has grown beyond my wildest dreams. From that first day when I arrived in Brazil by coach, I, at the time, it was with, I, when I left my career, um, I joined Youth with a Mission and um, I took a coach right across South America from Chile and arrived in Brazil in March 1991 with nothing other than a rucksack on my back. And I remember how nervous I was. And, and yet, I, 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 you know, knowing nothing of the future and yet also full of anticipation and knowing for certain that I was there only because of deep, deep conviction that God had called me to help the street children. The vision that God gave me for this ministry, for Happy Child, is to be part of reversing the effects of the slave trade route. And we started the work in the city of Belo Horizonte. Brazil is divided into states, and Belo Horizonte is the capital of Minas Gerais, and Minas Gerais means general mines. And that was where 
hundreds and thousands of African slaves were taken to work in, you know, down the mines, in, in the gold mines, and also the sugar and coffee plantations. And then we're now planting Happy Child in the northeast, in the city of Recife, in the poorer part of Brazil, which is where most of the ships arrived as they crossed from Africa across the Atlantic, the Middle Passage. And then we're going to be going back, um, in fact, the end of this year, Happy Child in Belo Horizonte is sending a team to Angola, um, and then Mozambique. Today, 19 years on, we have a team of 70 trained staff, and um, actually now 11 centers, where we can receive children and teenagers from the streets and also from places of risk. At any one time, we can take in 150 children. And over the years, we've developed a 12-step program of rescue, from you know, prevention work in the, in the favelas, in the slums, from where they run away in the first place. And um, we work with the authorities, so they will also refer, you know, the police and um, the local authorities will refer children to, to our care. And our absolute focus is family, is family reintegration, to get them back reintegrated into their families. And I can remember at the beginning saying, God, this is impossible. They're never going to go back to where they've run away from in the first place because of the abuse that they've suffered there. And so we started to open foster homes, and they didn't work. And so we came back to our knees, and God said, you have to work with the root of the problem. And as you, I felt God say, as you start to work with the families, I will make, um, you know, water in the wasteland. I will do miracles. And that's what's happened. And 95% of our children and teenagers who come into our care within two years are able to be reintegrated back into their families. And the, and the government, the local government, have said, wow, you know, they're getting results. You know, let's partner them. And so not only do we partner the local church, but we partner the local government. And that partnership with the local government has grown and grown and grown and grown to the extent that today the work in Belo Horizonte is now completely self-sustaining from within Brazil, which is a great achievement because I believe that's what mission is. God calls us to a nation, but I believe that it's about empowering um, the local people with that vision so that they carry the vision on and the work of God is internal. And so I give the glory to God for that and it took us 15 years to achieve that. But now the work in, in Belo Horizonte, and I think the, 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 the annual budget is around um, a, a, a million dollars and they raise that locally now with, with the local church, with the local government and now with local businesses. So our focus is to replicate that self-sustaining model in Recife, and in 2006, we set up an office in the UK, which is where I'm now based, where we raise awareness and we advocate and um, raise, raise funds um, and support, prayer support. The northeast of Brazil is much poorer. You know, Brazil is a beautiful country, and it's a vibrant country, and the people are warm and friendly. I'm, I'm English, but I'm half Brazilian. <laughs> you can tell by the way I gesticulate with my hands. And, um, you know, I am passionate about this country. 
and we, in fact, it's going to be on the world map. With the, they've got the next World Cup in 2014 and then the next Olympics in 2016. And it is one of the BRIC economies. However, the disparity between the rich and the poor is still great. And um, there remains a very poor distribution of wealth. And in the northeast of Brazil, this is more evident. And tragically, there are children that are being sold into prostitution by their families because there's no food at home. And, um, you know, this, this breaks my heart. So, so Recife and Fortaleza in the northeast are our focus at the moment, and they are two of the lost cities. But God is raising up his people, and he promises us in Isaiah um, 31, 3 to 4, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It is estimated that there are around 250,000 children that are now involved in child sex tourism. And um, it is also estimated that Brazil has 2 million children that are living or working on the streets. 25 million live below the poverty line. But Psalm 10 says, But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. A couple of years ago, I met Rose. And um, she was 16 years old um, on the streets of Recife. And she was prostituting. And she was, on, she was prostituting with a group of very young girls outside a hotel on the strip just in front of the, of, the, of the beach. And one of the reasons that child sex tourism is really growing in the Northeast is because you've got the beautiful beaches, the five-star hotels, but you've got urban congestion and, um, you know, considerable amount of, of favelas, of, of shanty towns. And, um, and so you have, as I said, you know, it's unimaginable, isn't it, but you have parents sending their kids to prostitute for a plate of food. And I met Rose, and she said to me that she, she told me that she'd been prostituting from the age of 11. And um, she'd already had two babies, and the babies, the children, her two children um, were being brought up by her mother in the favela. And, and I said to her, well, this was, in, this was a couple of years ago, and I said to her, well, where, where are your clients coming from? And when she started to say, name European countries as well as Brazil, I thought, whoa. And I was, I was re I mean, she, she started to cry. And she looked at me and she said, Sarah, I could take you right now to places where there is ch children as young, young as nine that are being prostituted, that are being exploited. And, um, and she said, please help us. Please help us. 
And as I, on, on, as I took my flight back, back home, back to England, I really felt God speak to me. You know, it was one of those moments where you just know it's God. And I felt him say to me, Sarah, it's fantastic what you're doing on the ground, helping the children. But he said, I'm going to open the doors for you to speak in places, in parliament, in government, because legislation can make a big... Changing legislation on behalf of these children, the rights of these children, can protect them and can change things for them. And then I felt him lead me to Proverbs 31.8, because God will always confirm in his word. And it says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all those who are destitute. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's what he wants us to do. And I felt him say, Sarah, I want you to speak up for Rose. She can't go to the places that I'm going to take you. But wherever you go, you are going to be speaking up for Rose. Two months later, the phone rang in my office, and it was the all-party parliament group for street children. And they said, oh, we'd really like you to come into parliament and to share, us, share with us you know, what's, what's happening in, uh, in Brazil. Now, if God hadn't told me that that was happening, I would have said no. I would have turned it down because I feel totally inadequate to be going and speaking in parliament. And I went, and it was packed. And I stood there and I said, and I told them about Rose, and I said, I'm not standing here before you. I'm standing here speaking for Rose. And as a result of that meeting, a lot has happened. You know, sometimes you speak out and, you, and nothing immediately happens and you think, well, that was a waste of time. But nothing's a waste of time for God. And he, uh, from, from that meeting, um, a reporter, an investigative reporter called Chris Rogers, made a report for BBC. He went over there, he filmed what was happening, and it went out on BBC News at 10 and then BBC World. And as a result of that going out on BBC World, a lot of people have since come back to me and said it's confirmed to them what God had already put on their hearts and campaigns are running in Brazil. And you know, the government's been stirred up. And we have just last week signed a partnership with the government in the Northeast. Um, and that's a challenge, you know. It's a challenge to partner the government when they don't really aren't, they aren't investing that much into social action and there's corruption. But, you know, God wants us to partner the government. Because, you know, and, and when... It was, it was actually the Brazilian ambassador who called me a year ago to the embassy in London, and he said, I want you to meet the number two of the government of the northeast of Brazil. Tell him what you've done in the south. Only God could arrange that meeting. So there I was talking to, to this high government official, and I, he wanted just to know about the work we did. And as I was sharing about the program and how, you know, we never ever take in more than 15 children into our homes because we like a home atmosphere and focusing on family integration, he just said, wow, really, is that what you do? And he called in his aide and he said, can you write all this down? Because you see, they're so far away often from what's happening on the ground and God wants to use us to bridge the gap. 
And we, signed, we finally signed our partnership last week, and that's bringing in 25% of what we need to open three centres, because as well as campaigning for these children, on behalf of these children, with a run-up to the World Cup in 2014, we also want to open centres. And we, have, we want to open a centre for the girls who are pregnant. Um, some of them have their babies at the age of um, 12. You know, so we want to open a home for the girls that are prostituting and their babies. And for brothers and sisters so they don't get separated. And also for um, teenagers involved in crime. It's a very difficult age to work with between the ages of, of, of 18 and up. And I ask that you pray. We need, we need the, the, another 50%, about £60,000 between now and the end of the year. And I, I ask for your prayers for that. What's the time? <laughs> I don't want to run over. And also, I just want to share a bit about the campaign because I really ask for your prayers for this campaign. There's a legislation that exists right through Europe, and it's very weak. And... Um, it, it basically says, because my, uh, my concern is when all those football supporters go over to Brazil in 2014, you know, you've got those vulnerable girls on the streets, particularly in the northeast, and the, the World Cup's going to be played in 12 cities, two of which are Recife and Fortaleza, where you've got kids as young as nine. And there's legislation that exists that says if you commit a crime against a child abroad, you can be prosecuted when you get back home. And we're working with the Metropolitan Police, we're working with parliamentarians, and, and the Metropolitan Police said just promoting that message will deter 95%. 95%, that's a high figure. And so I went to God, I said, what can we do? Who can give these messages? And I thought, I know, Brazilian footballers, because there's quite a few Brazilian footballers that are playing for big clubs here in, in, in the UK especially for Chelsea. And so I, I, a friend of mine at church has her hair done, has the same hairdresser as one of the footballers' wives. <laughs> so I thought, right, and I wrote this letter, right? I wrote this letter, explained, you know, what we do, happy child, and, and the message. And I told, told them about this, the legislation that exists and that if they could only endorse this message, if they could only, if we could film them actually <laughs> endorsing this message, we could then send it out into airlines and on websites. It could just go viral. And... Um, Anyway, so that was in April, and I finally got, um, last month, um, you know, Hazel, my friend, came back and said, you're not going to believe it. It's Paola, I don't know if there's any Chelsea supporters, but Paola Ferreira, who plays, who's from Portugal. Anyway, he came back and he said that he'd like to meet me. He and his wife would like to meet me. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to their mansion in, in Cobham, and I was, wel I was welcomed into their house, and... Um, and I sat down and he said, I really want to endorse this message. And I went, wow, really? And I said, what, like we could film you endorsing this message? He said, yes. But he said, I've got something even better for you. Why don't I get to speak to David Luiz and Ramirez and this new player, Oscar, who played for Brazil in the Olympics and he's just been bought by Chelsea. And they, they're Brazilian and they could endorse it. And I said, could you really do that for me? Anyway, he called me yesterday and he goes, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And I went, I'm in Belfast. He went, oh, what a shame. I was going to call you to our training gown because I've told them all about Happy Child. I've shown them the promo that you've just seen. And they're really happy. They want to meet you. 
So he said, I said, I'm in Belfast. <laughs> and he said, don't worry, Sarah, we'll rearrange it. We've got a match on Friday, then we're away, but we'll, we'll rearrange it in September. Please pray for that. Please pray for that. Because, you know, they're sportsmen. And, they, you know, they have so much, they'll have so much more effect than any politician. So please pray for that. Um, because it'll really make a difference for these children. I believe that um, God is looking for Jeremiah's. And I believe that there are Jeremiah's in this room today. I really believe that there are people in this room that God has a call. He has a call on your lives. And I would say this to you. It is, there is no greater privilege than serving our Lord. And it is only at a moment of total surrender because he, will, he is so gentle, he will never ask anything of you that you can't do or that he doesn't enable you to do because he prepares us. And you know, what is so exciting is you don't work for God, you work with God. And he really will do the impossible. And you know, Christianity isn't a dream, it's a battle. But, but what, what greater privilege than living out the purpose he has for you. And that purpose might be interceding. And that purpose might be giving and sowing. But that purpose might be actually surrendering everything that is important to you and saying, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. And he will. And do you know what's so amazing? Is as you step out in faith, he will confirm to you along the way. He will never abandon you, ever. And that's why, you know, 20 years on, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm still in my call. And it's tough. It is tough. It is tough. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And even if, even if I had said no to my call, he would still, he'll still love us just the same. But you know what? When you step out in faith, when you say, yes, I'm going for you, Lord. When your church sends you, he will raise up people around you to support you. And you, your relationship with him will grow deeper. It will grow deeper here on earth. What a privilege. First, God's first call on each of our lives is to him. And from this place of intimacy, he will restore you, and then he will restore others through you. And um, I've, just, I've been asked to tell you that uh, The Street Children of Brazil is on sale at the bookshop. It's actually just been bought by a production. The option's just been bought by a production company and it's going to be made into a feature film called Paved with Gold, and that's for sale. And um, the novel, I don't think it is for sale, but the bookshop have, have told me to tell you that they've ordered it in. And please don't go without taking one of these leaflets. I haven't actually got a store back there, but on a table out there, there are some leaflets. Pick one up and fill it in and become part of what we're doing, and we'll send you regular, regular updates. God bless you. Thank you so much for the, for the privilege of sharing with you tonight. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. 
If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.